I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Lone Star House of Design, a showcase of divine design from the great state of Texas. This episode features Beth DiTolo and Carolina Gentry, the design team behind Pulp Studios. When a design team captures market share in two states, typically the truly successful ones that you always hear about are New York and L.A., or New York and San Francisco, or Chicago and and, uh, San Francisco. This design team is unique. The design team behind Pulp Studios has uh, explored, targeted, and been doing business in Dallas and Seattle, two, two cities with gaining momentum and exploding populations prior to COVID. But post-COVID, these two cities are pulling in new residents from the likes of LA, New York, San Francisco. Beth and Carolina have established their brand with a mission. That is to deliver style and luxury to those living in such unique metropolitan cities. For me, this was really fun because I went to college in Washington State and spent nine years living in Dallas. So this was a great journey for me. This conversation delves into the details and logistics behind building a multi-city design firm. Speaking of building, your design business, you need to get new perspectives so you can see in real time how the industry is changing so quickly. Please make sure you are subscribing to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode of Convo by Design or Lone Star House of Design. You can find the show everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And now you can find Convo by Design and other design and architecture podcasts at designnetwork.org. Check it out. Both Seattle and Dallas are locations that are so near and dear to my heart. Um, I love it. And what's interesting too, is that both locations are absolutely erupting in design and architecture as design destination. And before we get to that, I kind of wanted to hear from you, from you two, how you met. You met in Dallas, when, how, and sort of the, the background behind the firm. Well, so we actually, we both, well, thanks for having us, by the way. Yes, thank you so uh, we're much. excited to be here. Um, so we actually worked at a commercial firm and multifamily firm in Dallas together. She was, Carolina was actually the senior interior designer there. And I came in as an intern and she was my boss, actually. Uh, so she had been my mentor for a while. And then as we, like, you know, as I, as I continued to grow and grew into senior designer, she grew into director of design. We just, you know, hit it off really well from a design standpoint, from a working standpoint. Um, people always say, don't go into business with your friends. And, but I think for us, we were, that's how our relationship yeah, we, started. We so it actually worked work, out pretty well. We work, uh, friends first, or I guess yeah. work colleagues first before. Yeah. So, and then we became, uh, we ended up living across the hall from each other and then starting our own business to do more residential stuff and more furnishings and that kind of thing. Um, and then, um, eventually, you know, things started taking different turns in our industry and there was an economic downturn back in 2007, um, which is when we started our firm. And so, um, eventually both of us grew to do this full time. And so we both were working, we had our firm, we were a home-based business in Dallas, Texas, working together. And then, um, from there, my husband got a job opportunity a little over eight years ago. And so we had, you know, Carolina coming from more of a hospitality design background and me doing commercial, we almost never worked in the same city as our project. Yeah, so we, we figured had remote work. So we were so used to it. We were like, yeah, I was very sad, but 
we were, I was like, we'll make it work. It's fine. It's a two hour time difference. I was used to working with Asia that was like 13 hours. So I'm like, two hours isn't that much. It's like, we're going to probably talk to each other during lunch times. Like, yeah. Interfere with our lunch time. That's the worst. Totally. But Um, I think it's in the best thing for our firm though, because we've, we've grown our business. We have like, I mean, we've essentially doubled our business. Um, and we might've killed each other if we were still sitting in the same office together. I'm pretty sure we would have. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, okay. So what's, what's so interesting about this too, is a, you started your firm during a financial catastrophe and now you find yourselves working again during a pandemic and a financial catastrophe. It's not the same kind of financial catastrophe because I remember 07, 08, 09, this recession was a financial crisis. It was a, it was a, it was a money issue. It was a liquidity issue. This is, we don't have clients who are having problems with funds now. It's being able to specify product and have product delivered and figure out what you want and get out of the house when the trades are there and, you know, try to figure out how to make our homes more functional because they haven't been for the last seven months. So does it feel different to you and the fact that you've been working remotely for as long as you have, and that's how your firm operates, has has this been an opportunity for growth? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, well, to start back in 2007, so, you know, we came from the commercial background and that's what, that's really what struggled. So all of the commercial projects, they came to a halt because they were relying on- And hospitality funding. funding, so- yeah. So they all came to a halt. So for us, it was more about showing that we can provide value to our clients' homes. And at the time, you know, we were starting out, we did, we, and we also didn't really have a built-in um, client base because we had just started going into residential. And, you know, to be completely honest, Carolina and I don't come from super wealthy families. So we were, it's not like we had a built-in insulated like client base. So we really had to get kind of scrappy and figure out how we could communicate our value and bring value to people's homes and allow them to take their funds and invest. So I think that that's what one of the reasons why we um, started out and, and became quite successful during that time, you know, it's it's slow growth. Um, This time now, I mean, we're having our best year ever. It's everyone understands. nuts. I mean, don't get us wrong. I mean, it was scary when this all oh, went we, down. I mean, we, uh, Oh God. Yeah. I mean, we, because we didn't, I mean, I think for everybody, nobody really knew what was going to happen. I mean, things were shut down. We didn't know when they were going to open back up. You know, our receivers were closed. Uh, factories were closed. Um, so, you know, it was a little frightful for yeah. a couple of weeks. <laughs> like, yeah, we had like we had several strategy sessions where we mm-hmm. evaluated all the options and we were ready to make moves that were really scary that would, you know, cut our business. And, you know, both Carolina and I, right before we were about to have a big meeting with our staff, we just had to come to Jesus and we were like, that we've got to just weather the storm and see what happens. We yeah. can't make any ma- major changes out of fear. We have to just see what we can do and to weather the storm. And so we did that. And I'm so glad that we did. And now we've also been hiring since this. We've already hired two new people. We're hiring, we're hiring two other designers right now that we're looking for, a des- we're looking to fill two roles. Um, so, I mean, thank God we listened to our guts there because all well, of our strategists and everything, everything that like, is happening. And because yeah. everybody has been stuck at home, they truly see the value in their home and they now see yeah. why it's so important to invest in their home. So Absolutely. the design industry is definitely yeah. um, booming because of that. And with interest rates so low too, we're also being able to capture clients who are moving and buying new homes. 
Um, you know, unfortunately, I feel like this crisis that's happening right now is happening more towards uh, people who don't have the means, which is unfortunate. But the people, our clients are are doing just fine. You know, so for us, it's it's been a great boom for our for our industry, which you know, it's it's an interesting take too on like where we are as a society. But um, you know, for for our industry, it's been a wonderful thing. Tell me, tell me your thoughts. I'm interested to know what you learned coming out of 07, 08, 09 as it related to your business. And now um, in this scenario, I, I guess what I'm, what I'm wondering is, did you learn emergency management during that time? And were you able to apply any of those same lessons, any of that same experience to your firm, this to the business this time? How did you acquire clients then? And what have what tools and techniques did you use to acquire clients since then and especially now? I feel like those are like two totally different toolkits, to be honest, because for us, it was about in the beginning, it was about being scrappy in a way and just figuring out how to make it work and how to how to uh, obtain clients. Um, then we, you know, this is when blogging was, you know, new and exciting. And so, you know, we had a little blog and we, and then eventually Instagram came into the picture. And so um, we were just more trying to like, really just be like, we, I think the reason why we're successful today is because we had to build a brand. We had to create a brand that was desirable and we had to communicate that brand. And so we got really good at, at communicating our value um, and building a brand. And today it's different because now most of our clients are referrals every year, our clients and our projects get better and better. And so it's just, a, it's just a completely different set of tools. You know, we, we had to build processes and procedures in the beginning to, to show clients that we were a valuable business and that we were professionals, um, professionals, <laughs> you know, cause we didn't really have anything to back us on that. You know, that was, it was all just sort of you know, we're, we're, we had, we were responsible for seeking out and communicating our value. Um, and now we're gaining clients and, and better and better clients each year because of all that, that we've built, you know, that we're, we've, we've established that now. And now we're just sort of like taking that and, and continuing to grow with each project and with each, each client. So just two set, two different tools. Also like just 13, in general, 13 years in later business, in business in general, I think if you, are smart and have a low overhead just in general. Um, you know, it's smart whenever something like this comes up, you know, it's, it's easier to deal with than, than if you had a really high overhead. Well, yeah, here's some, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say, I think that's one of the things we've always, we, you know, we've always made sure to pay our staff really well and pay us ourselves really well as much as we could, you know, being a small business, but we do keep a low overhead. We don't like have super fancy offices. You know, we make sure that we're smart with our money. We put our funds into our talent and growing our business. Um, so that, I think that's one of the things that helped us weather the storm too. Well, here's what else you did. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of this. Um, for years, I've been holding gatherings for designers and architects. And about four or five years ago, I had one, the first one on brand development. And I was talking to designers, architects, creatives. And I said, if you don't understand this already, you need to now. If you write a blog, if you have a social media platform 
portfolio of different social media outlets where you are publishing content, you are a publisher. And as a publisher, you can you can use that platform for good or for evil. You know, you can <laughs> you can you can do good with it and you can promote your business at the same time, or you can just view it as something that you want to do to try to raise money regardless of what you put out there, or you can completely ignore it, in which case it'll languish and you know kind of fall away. What you've done is you've really focused on content. I see, you know, between the magazine and between Pulp TV and your socials, it feels like that was something that was a priority for you early on. And I wonder where that came from and how you address the number one pain point that I've heard when it comes to this type of thing, which is I'm trying to run a design firm. I do not have time to post. I don't have time to write. I don't have time to shoot. I don't have time to edit. I don't have time to learn to edit. I don't have time to do this. So how do you make the time? How do you create your editorial calendar? How do you come up with your content? And when did this become so important to you? I mean, it's been important since the very beginning. Uh, I think part of it is out of necessity because you just, it's sort of survival. You know, the, I don't, I, I need to, I need to be able to build the client base and how do I do that? So I need to make myself marketable. I need to make myself attainable. And so that's kind of where the, the branding initially came in. Um, you know, and also my, you know, we're both creatives, Caroline and I, and then my husband is also, um, you know, photographer, art director, graphic designer. So it helped, it helped me grow and in turn helped Carolina grow in that aspect too, because it's nice to be surrounded with people that really know a little bit about that. Um, but I think for us, it's always been, you know, you like you it's a futuristic thinking. It's like, I know that if I'm not marketing myself now, even though I'm busy six months to 12 months from now, I may not have business. You know, <laughs> these things take too. a very long time, <laughs> you know? And so you always have to prioritize it. It's like, it's like the, it's like the second client, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's something that we have to take time for every week. Um, if we don't have time for it, we have people, we bring contract people to help us with, uh, the content. Um, you know, sometimes it's me generating the content. Sometimes we bring someone in to do it. It just depends on where we are and how much time we have on our hands. Um, we definitely oversee everything. So, you know, we're always involved in it, but to us, it's just, it's become a priority. And, um, also when we first started our company, to be totally honest, we were a little bit burnt out on clients and design and everything. We're like, we just, let's create a product. Let's just do, let's do a product. And, and cause we were coming from these commercial um, backgrounds. It wasn't like so relational, like it is now for us doing residential. And so intention, our first intention was to create a furniture company and uh, yeah, to do furniture and pillows and things <laughs> like that. That was a great <laughs> idea in 2008, <laughs> 2008 when nobody and, had money to buy anything. Awesome. Yeah. So I know, it's a terrible <laughs> idea. But, but we always knew we wanted to be a brand. You know, we always knew we wanted to create product and create content and have design and, and take design beyond that's what we do with our and clients. And that's why we, we, want- we picked our name. I mean, that's our name yeah. came from, we each had our own list of names and we both had Pulp on it, but we thought Pulp Design Studios was such a great name instead of like Dotolo Gentry or Gentry yeah. Dotolo Associates because it could be, it could branch out to be different things. It didn't have yeah. to necessarily just be you know, a stuffy office name or a firm name. Yeah, totally. And, 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 
Yeah. And generating that content is also what has gotten us um, the partnerships that we have, like the textile collection we have with S. Harris. Um, If it weren't for the content we were generating, I don't think that we would have those partnerships, you know, because now we have a platform and an audience and and a way to share that information. So also, um, can we just say that we only share our work? Yes. Great. Yeah, we don't share other we don't share other people's work on our Instagram account. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's sh- everything is our work. Okay, yeah. fair enough. And by the way, it's it's kind of fun too. I would imagine to have a magazine where you're on every cover. I know. <laughs> well, it's so funny. Is so, it? <laughs> yeah, oh, it's ridiculous. It's funny because so Carolina and I we had we had the first the first magazine we ever launched, we had a project on the cover and we have, um, our, what, oh God, I always forget her title. She's Can I just everything. tell you, I hate Tracy. having pictures taken of myself, period. What? Always. She's fine. She does, but she's <laughs> fine. I love it. Um, <laughs> she loves it. I know. No, but our director of strategy, managing, managing director, she's Tracy's Tracy who works for us. She's like our everything. She's been with us for seven years and she's amazing. And she, and when we first went to go put the first magazine out, she was like, no, you guys are going to be like Oprah. You're going to put your picture on every cover. That's that. And we were just laughing hysterically, but she always has like the greatest ideas and she's kind of always right. So, you know, it's branding. We're in these people's homes. This is our faith. We're here. It, it, it is. No kidding. And it's funny because <laughs> Icon from Pulp Design Studios, it's it's the two of you. Carolina, you must hate this because really you are on every cover. <laughs> I do. <laughs> we can drop we can drop her and have a different thing if we need to. <laughs> well, so what I was gonna ask you, I wanted to ask you about the publishing business. Um, how many how many issues do you run and how often do you run them? You're up to what, six issues? Yeah. And we, how many yeah. issues do you run? We've been doing it. We just started it not that long ago, but we've been doing them quarterly. Um, I think this year we're probably going to, we, from now, we just, it's so much work. We're going to do by, we're going to do it twice a year um, starting this year. So, um, but yeah, it's been quarterly. It's a ton of work. It's a lot of fun though, because it allows you to be creative in a different way. Um, you know, we have a graphic designer that we work with, and then we have someone that, um, helps generate some of the content. Like we generate a lot of the content, but then someone helps us kind of piece it all together. Um, so we have, you know, we, we have people that help us with it. It's not just Carolina and I sitting on a computer and like generating all this work. So. Yeah. But here's the thing. And it's, it really is genius in your approach because you, you do a couple of things. Look, my, my background, my first career, my background's in broadcast. Um, yeah. So I, I get professional content development and production and sales of which, I mean, look, you've got sponsors um, included. You've got your husband and his business represented as a photography studio. (laughs) Well, he just started his new, his um, fine art photography site after this uh, financial crisis, we'll call it. So uh, being, being let go from a job and get you a new uh, avenue. So we thought we'd give him an ad in there since he did some of our graphic design. That's so great. But, but no, it is great because we do have ad- advertisers like Thermador, for instance, um, has advertised with us for a year and they want to do it again. And they've been a great partner. And we only partner with people that we really, you know, believe, believe in, in and use it. Absolutely. So, um, you know, it's a great it's a great relationship building. It's great uh, to be able to share those resources with our clients and the, and the designers who follow it. 
Um, and it's great too, because it offsets some of the costs of all of this as well. And, and, and more than anything, I mean, I feel like the greatest benefit for us has been that we're able to mail these to our clients every quarter or however often we put them out. When we go to their houses, they've got them laying out on their coffee tables and their friends see them. And it also reminds them and people that we aren't working with any longer, all the different things that we're able to do and are doing for other clients, because, you know, our clients are busy. And they don't always check all of our emails. They don't usually follow us on Instagram. A lot of our clients are not on Instagram. Um, and so it's, it allows us to share the content of the things that we're working with to inspire them to maybe do something different or tell a friend who might have a scenario that yeah, has been picture of the project. <laughs> yeah, have a Cyrus. It has too. helped with a lot of clients that haven't, yeah. you know, that, that we worked with years ago. They'll uh, text me because they got a copy of it. And they're like, you know what? I think I want to do this room now because... I'm ready because we're in their face and we, and we grow so, with our clients too. Yeah, you know, absolutely. when a lot of the clients um, we work with are like, bef- like earlier in the early days had been coming, you know, they were young, not, not super young, but you know, they were, you know, new professionals or semi new professionals and they've all grown in their careers. And now they have, you know, nicer homes or have, you know, and they, and they all grow with us. So as they grow into newer homes and bigger homes and grow their families, we've been able to continue to work with them as our design portfolio has grown and the, and the projects that we've worked on continue to grow. So it's been, it's been a great tool to, for communication. It's, it's, it's helped us a lot. And I get all that. What's interesting is that your philosophy on the amount of time, because listen, I, I'm a contributor, contributor and an editor, and I know how much time goes into this um, yeah. and content creation. Video's different, audio's different, Print is different, you know, because you've got the graphics have to be right. The layout has to be right. You know, I can I can speak for an hour and completely butcher the English language on a podcast <laughs> and it's OK. You do it in print <laughs> and everyone sees it. it's like, well, why did you yeah. put that punctuation there? And why did and it's nerve wracking. And so your idea as designer, now publisher, now editor. Yeah. How do you, how do you balance? How do you find, and I know you, you say you find the time because you have to, cause it's important, but that's still, we have X amount of hours to work with. And how do you find that time? Well, for me, it's a passion, to be honest. I like, we always say Carolina and I could divvy up like what our actual roles are within the business. Like Carolina would be design director and I would be creative director because Carolina like loves interior design and I love it too. Um, but I also love just the, like the, the creativity of growing a business, of doing the marketing. To me, it's actually, you know, I don't have to answer. And Carolina, when we build these, this content, Carolina doesn't have to answer to clients. She doesn't have, we don't have to answer to anybody, but being able to put out the content that we want. So it's, for me, it's super fun. And I, I just love to do it. It's, yeah, sometimes it can be stressful to find the time, but you, you just kind of have to do it. But it's, but it's enjoyable because it's, we're, you know, it's, it's, it's being creative. In its own way. And do you, do you view this as a profit center or do you view it as a marketing tool or both? I view it as a marketing tool now, but I think it could easily grow into a profit generator. How many, how many issues do you publish per run? Uh, it depends. You know, we've done, we have, we've printed as many as what, like a thousand in or 2000, one of the runs. And then we've mm-hmm. done, you know, when the pandemic was like, when we printed our last one, we were like, what's going to happen? <laughs> so I think we printed like 200 or something. Um, but really the digital portion of it is what is what gets more uh, traction, I think. Yeah. Um, with the, ge- like with the general population, but you know, yeah. we've done everything pr- from printing larger runs to, to put out like, 
school auctions or to send out to like newly purchased homes and that kind of thing. So we, so it's kind of hard to nail down because sometimes we'll reprint some of the evergreen issues and use that as a marketing tool to send out. So it's not it's really so great like to go even to a new potential client's house and you bring that over and it's, you know, they love flipping through that when you're discussing, when you're, you know, they're looking to hire you and it's such a great tool for the, for us to show our work if they haven't been yeah. to a website and clicked on every photo um, that and all the little added tips and the cocktails and, you know, um, just playlist. playlist and interesting content. Um, you know, Beth and I do that founders, um, five. five thing where we select things that we each like that show kind of our personalities, you know, clients love that. I mean, they'll text us and say, Oh, I got this. I, I went and bought this. I loved it so much. And I, I love that. I, I love hearing that. I know. And it's fun because we also have, we've turned that also into um, gift, like client gifting as we send, like mm. during the holidays, we send a box of our pulp favorite picks. So it's like an extension of that founder's five. And so we send them like a little goodie bag of all of our favorite things. And they love, I mean, the clients just love it. They're like, Oh my God, that like pillow spray that you sent me. I use yeah. it all the time. Thank you so much. So it's just fun to be able. And it's stuff we really love and stuff we yeah. actually use. I mean, so we really believe this is awesome stuff that you should have. It's just fun to kind of take just design and really focus on like kind of be able to go into more of like your life. Like this is like, it's not just about like this beautiful bed that we designed for you. But now like when you get into it every night, you get to spray your pillow. And like, I don't know, to us, it's just like the whole encapsulating picture of um, design and lifestyle um, is just something that we really enjoy just in general. It's just something that we are passionate about just in general. It's like, those are the things like tech Caroline and I last night we're texting each other like, Oh my God, did you try this thing? You know, like this, we're always just sharing back within our, you know, back and forth and within our office and then with our clients. So it's just a natural inclination for us. So. That is so smart. That's great. Um, wanted to transition into a little bit of the work. Okay. And before I, before I start throwing some projects at you, um, <laughs> here's what I love. I love that you're not in LA, New York, Chicago, San Francisco, um, Miami, Atlanta. I love that you are in two of what I call the design flyover states. <laughs> City, cities, really. But, but, you know, Texas, I just started, um, I just started uh, Lone Star House of Design this year as a spinoff to Convo by Design because of my background in Texas and Dallas in particular, I can tell you firsthand all of the absolutely amazing design that's coming out of the Lone Star State and people should know that, but they don't for the most part because it's, it's really ignored unless you're, unless you're in one of the, you know, one of the top five, top 10 design cities of which Seattle is not one either, but I predict it will be within the next five to 10 years, especially with the amount of people that right. are coming out of, you know, LA, New York, Miami, Atlanta, and moving towards you. Do you see that? Do you see that starting to happen yet? I mean, it's really early in this whole thing, but are you seeing it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, in Seattle, a lot of our clients are uh, in, transplants. But like a lot of them have come from New York or other other cities. And they've come to our they've come to us because our work isn't like a lot of the other designers here work. It's, it's, it's um, not as quiet. It's a little more exciting and dynamic. Uh, and the same is true for Dallas. Like, you know, that's what Car they say for us. Yeah. So funny. Most of our clients, most of our clients there are not, you know, 
old Dallasites. They're people who are who are moving from. You know, I mean, there are, we do have. There's a blend, but a lot, but a huge portion of them are not from Texas. So it's really interesting. Um, except for the work that Caroline is doing in South Texas, she. Um, you can talk, speak about it. You're from Laredo. So she, yeah, she's, I'm from Laredo, of- Texas. So we, and we've done work like in San Antonio um, and uh, the whole country area and in, in South Texas, um, which is great. I mean, I, I love working down there. I think a lot of designers don't want to work down there, but um, I know the ins and outs of it. I mean, I grew up on the border. So um, I think some people don't, a lot of designers don't want to go down there, but um I'm from there, so it's not a big deal. And I know exactly how tradespeople work down there. And I speak two <laughs> languages and I can do it just fine. <laughs> well, I think I think also it's really interesting because, you know, in Texas in particular, I, I mean, to be to be completely transparent, I don't think that Laredo, Galveston, San Antonio have been real, quote unquote, design cities. Um there's a ton of history there. There are some remarkable um, architectural properties there, but I don't think it's ever been viewed that way. You know, there's, we're not, nobody's heading down to the Laredo, Laredo Design Center. To, no, because you know, it's or, not, it doesn't exist. Or the, Ab- <laughs> the Abilene Design Center. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? um, but that's what makes it so great for us because we are here in Dallas or we're in Seattle and we have all these great sources. So it's awesome that these clients hire us from some of these cities that they don't have access to those types of things. And um, we're able to bring that to them. Yeah, and it's, it's easy it's, for us to work remote. Yeah. It's fun though, too, because we, you know, we do have projects all over the country. And so we're able to share sources. So when we find like a really cool artist in a different state, or we have artisans here in um, Seattle, or Carolina has a source in, you know, for cool vintage furniture, like she just found these cool chairs for a client here in Seattle that she texted me um, last night. And so it's just fun to be able to share sources. It kind of, it kind of just opens your world up to be able to um, bring your clients something a little bit more unique. Um, you know, it, it's great to be hyper local, but you know, for us, it's, it's fun to be local in the way that we're local, which is, you know, working across <laughs> the country. Yeah. yeah. But I'm curious, I'm curious too. Um, <clears throat> you know, Carolina, you have round top, Austin, Houston, Dallas, you, you've got, um, Marfa, you've got that whole big band area. You've got some, you've got, you know, down into Louisiana for some sweet picking, right? I'm curious, <laughs> Beth, do you have anything in your area that is remotely like that? No, I, I will tell you, having, having gone to Washington State University, having been in a fraternity and driven across Idaho to get um, uh, to Montana to go get Everclear, <laughs> you know, I've noticed that there are some interesting, you know, some really interesting cities in between. But do you have anything like that? Not from a design standpoint so much. I mean, we do have the Seattle Design Center and then there's Portland, um, but in the Pacific Northwest and of course, Vancouver, um, but they won't let us in right now. So we can't go. They won't, those Canadians are keeping us far away. Um, do you but, blame them? Uh, I know. Nope. I do not know. Uh, <laughs> um, but you know, from a design standpoint, there is this, there there's, it's pretty limited. I mean, you really do have to rely on those like, quirky little artists that you find that are just like one pop shops or um, even like the manufacturing is kind of hard to sort of nail down. 
um, you know, it's totally different than from Dallas, where in Dallas, like our office is in the design district and everything's in our backyard. I mean, I call the Dallas office all the time to ask for help with like, can you find this? Can you go to this uh, manufacturer to pull, uh, to go look at the sample that for this custom piece that we're working on? Because there's, it's just harder to come by here, which I think is actually put us at an advantage with clients because um, it's really hard to shop us here in Seattle because there's not a lot available, even from a retail standpoint. I mean, we have one good little sort of retail area that has like a, you know, restoration hardware room board, but we don't typically pull from those places. Um, but in Dallas, it's tougher because everything's at your fingertips. And if you have a resale certificate, you can get into pretty much anywhere. Um, so it's harder um, from a design standpoint, I think in Texas. So it forces us to do a lot of, a lot more custom and customization and um, make sure that we're designing things that, you know, you really just can't get on your own. Um, but, you know, it is, it, it, it's, it's a challenge, but also having the two offices with the two different dynamics has been uh, amazing because it's, it's given us so many great resources to share. Yeah. Wanted to jump to projects uh, that you've done. And by the way, since this is a podcast, I always have to qualify it by saying, if you're listening to us talk about these projects, um, I know that we create the whole theater of the mind thing, but at the same time, you might want to see one or two of them. So if you hop over to pulpdesignstudios.com and you click on projects uh, you can, or portfolio, you can, you can look at some of the projects that we're, that we're talking about. And the first one I wanted to start with, cause it's, gosh, it's just so fun is the, um, Queen Anne down below. Oh, the, yeah, <laughs> that was fun. So the basement renovation. First of all, I think every house should have a big picture of Biggie in it. <laughs> I do. Um, Biggie Smalls. <laughs> and, but the, the design as a whole, and here's what I like about it, and here's why I wanted to start with this. You are so severely impacted and limited by space in a basement that I have always felt if you could do something spectacular in a small space, Katie bar the door when, when you've got a big space and a big budget to match. Right. Yeah. Cause, cause that's, sure. I don't want to call what you do in any capacity easy, but when you got a big space and a big budget, you know, you, it's easier when you have a small space that that's different. So where did this project start? And how did you approach it? And obviously it's for a family, but how did you approach this? Well, to start that, that client was actually one of our first clients in Seattle. They were our first big clients in Seattle. Yeah. And we did the, we did their main house upstairs, the, and the whole basement throughout the course of us working with them was unfinished. Um, so when we took the basement on, it was completely unfinished. It was like a dungeon. I mean, there was like, you know, spider cobwebs, rafters, like plumbing, <laughs> conduit like it was not it was like completely un, like a completely raw space um so we were so we went through and we kind of we worked with an architect and we um did some space planning and we you know just wanted to have fun with it I mean it's a basement I mean it's not something you have to really see every single day so we wanted to kind of like throw everything at it and kind of turn it into like you know the design's most overused word but a jewel box um so <laughs> we just like we we threw pattern all over it we like I mean there, I don't think there's like one solid in the whole joint like it's like but they pattern like everywhere. pattern and they like oh they love it and... I mean it, we designed it for them because we knew yeah. that that's what they liked 
um, they wanted a wine cellar, but they also needed like, uh, like a sort of like a mudroom area. So we said, why don't we just put them, slap them together and make a hybrid, uh, hidden wine room, mudroom door. <laughs> so their do- the door is like their mudroom. And then it's it, behind it hides this beautiful sort of like wine cave with all these really cool tiles and cool wall covering and like this, this um, super cool like you know wine slots and then um there we didn't we didn't photograph this but their uh their laundry room where the washer and dryer is is actually like an ombre of blue tiles that creates like this really cool scalloped look um and it's it's pretty cool um and then we just kind of we put wall covering everywhere we the husband wanted um to make sure that we had fun with the art and he really likes rap so we did really cool blown up photos of run run dmc and biggie smalls and then we put these beautiful sconces next to them so it looks like elevated art but you know who doesn't want to elevate Biggie Small. So, um, <laughs> but it was really fun. So we just kind of made it like a game room. Like it's, it's where the kids go down to play video games when the, when the clients are entertaining. Um, they'll take their friends down there and drink a glass of wine. Um, and it's also serves as a secondary sort of like little guest suite where a guest can use that bathroom downstairs. And so it's, 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 um, it was a really fun space to design. Like we, we had so much fun with them, with the clients and just designing the space in general. Tell me two things. Um, the wallpaper is amazing that and the the flooring in the bathroom who did you use so the wall covering in the bathroom is actually a local wall covering company called abnormals anonymous and we become friends with them so we customized that color for this project and then the wall covering in the main space is by juju papers and again we customize that as well um and then the flooring is lily tiles so we did some lily tiles we did some other cement tiles in the other spaces um so it was you know, we just kind of like threw all the, all the patterns at it <laughs> so, at the floor, the walls. I love it. It's amazing. The second one I want to take you to is your um, Seattle glass house. Mm-hmm. That was, that's love, probably that's one of our project. favorite projects. I love this. And I'll, and I'll tell you why, because I am a huge fan um, the whole California style and whether you, you call it California style, I always take credit for it anyway. Yeah, it's yeah, California yeah. style. <laughs> um, <laughs> removable walls um, where you can really open the outside and inside and make them one, the indigenous materials, which it, uh, which it looks like you're incorporating here. A lot of wood, a lot of glass, um, very, very open and clean. And it looks like you took those through lines and expanded it across the entire project. So what was the idea behind this and who did you design this for? So this project I think was like, I don't know, Carolina is working on some really cool projects in South Texas, but for me in Seattle um, and for our firm, uh, which by the way, we do collaborate on all these, but you know, Carolina obviously lead the projects that we have in each of our cities. Um, this for our firm and everyone worked on it. Even the, even the designers in Dallas worked on this project because it was a really big project and we are, you know, we, we love to share projects when we can. Um, so this to me was like one of our big, like next level projects. It was kind of one the, one of the ones that I think elevated our firm and our, the clients found us. Um, and presented us to the architect that they were working with in the very early stages and wanted um, to work with us because they felt like we captured the soul of our clients. And they wanted to make sure that 
you know, while the architecture, because the style of the architect who is amazing, it's deforest architecture, um, is also very like clean and streamlined, but they also wanted to make sure that the interiors matched um, the soul of their family. So we, uh, you know, started working on this super early, um, did everything from the finishes, the lighting, everything. Um, they're a family of artists. They wanted it to feel liberated. They said they wanted, you know, sort of color where they could, but they also, um, one of the one of the clients said to us, they said uh, they wanted this idea of uh, denial and reward. So it was that you can have a really quiet space, but then you turn the corner and then there's like something that rewards you. So it's like, you you know, you you get denied for a second and then you turn the corner and then you get the reward so that there. So there's things that we did to incorporate that throughout the entire project. Like we have a movable wall. Um, that now has uh, like this giant crane mural from Philip Jeffries on it, or we have the, you know, pretty subdued kitchen, but then the island has a pop of color underneath the waterfall edge, or we have a, you know, sort of really cool eclectic living room. And then the home office that's right off of the living room is like this beautiful blue with a, you know, really fun fuchsia wall covering on the ceiling. So um, we tried to take that concept that they brought to the table and incorporate it throughout the interiors. So it was it was a really cool project to work on and we worked on it for like three years I mean it was like a long labor of love and we're still you know we still go in and like refresh it from time to time because they want it to be ever evolving and just like always always having new things and now we're working like with all their family members and all their friends so it's been um it's been it was a really cool experience that's very cool um switching uh heading over to Texas now um the, the loft renovation in Dallas. So here's what's interesting. For, for the last probably 10 or 15 years in earnest, we've really seen all across Texas, at least I've seen it in both Dallas and in Houston, the lofts because many of the older buildings in both, both Texas, in both Dallas and you know the, the downtown areas in both Houston and Dallas, are absolutely exploding. And because of that, you're seeing all this mixed use and multi mixed purpose, multi multi use in the um, original buildings that were there. So you've got these incredible opportunities within these old buildings, but also with those great opportunities, you also have a ton of restrictions. There's only so much you can do in much of these spaces. And this one, you really, it feels to me like you took dark spaces and you figured out how to, how to just completely brighten them up. And you took some other spaces that maybe you chose to keep darker and make them really dramatic and, and theatrical. And it's really cool. So it's a completely different look from some of the other projects that we've talked about. Um, I'm curious if you're seeing the same thing as far as how the lofts and how these the older buildings are starting to become available. And because in Texas, everything's got to be made out of brick for some reason. So you, <laughs> you, you, have, you have a lot of brick to work with. Is, is that what you're seeing? And was this project fun for you? This was definitely fun because it was something completely different than we had worked on before. But um, I have to say both Beth and I lived in lofts. So that was something across that the hall from each other. Actually. Yeah, across <laughs> the hall, like, like Melrose Place. Um, and um, so we had, you know, we each had an experience living in a loft. So we knew that, that loft life, I guess, if you want to say. Um, although this was um, a larger loft, this was like a 5,000 square foot loft, um, two stories, awesome view, 
um, the client's private. <laughs> so, um, but obviously wanted it to be a space that had everything in it. Um, now you can basically say this place is like the perfect COVID hideaway. Um, it's prepared for like a zombie apocalypse because it has everything that you need in it. It's got Toto toilets that basically talk to you. Um, they have creepy. a sauna, creepy. <laughs> in the sauna. <laughs> they have steam shower. They have two laundry rooms. Uh, well, a laundry room with four, uh, two laundry, two washer and dryers and two, uh, uh, I mean, a, two of each. Um, and then they have, um, an apartment upstairs, elevator, solar panels. I mean, everything. They could basically survive there with everything that they need. Um, but we did want to create, you know, it is an open space that doesn't have walls, you know, the main space. So you do want to make sure that, you know, it has its own little quadrants of living. Um, so I thought we did a really good job of that. Um, and then it has its own um, wings, I guess. You know, they have a guest area. They have um, their little living uh, master bedroom area. So um, you, I don't know. It's just a very, very functional space, and it's very private. And it's always – it is challenging working with spaces that don't have a lot of windows. So mm -hmm. to make it look, you know, cozy and, and not um, – To make it look like a home. Like, like, yeah, to make it look like know. a home and not, you know, yeah. like an office building or – yeah, well, Their I noticed, house. you know, I noticed, <laughs> I noticed a lot of what you use there, you know, you use paint strategically uh, and barn door uh, to sort of, which I think is a brilliant use of it. I love how you used that high gloss on the floors, which obviously serves to bounce the light up in the absence of being able to pull the light down with, you know, because you're, you're not going, you know, one of the, one of the big architecture tricks would be to lower the ceiling um, and then open it up again. But when you've got, when you've got those types of ceilings, they're not, you're looking at that acoustic material. It's not pretty, you know, so you black it out, right. but then you use a high gloss at the, at, at the bottom to bounce the light up, which is really cool. Um, you mentioned steam shower and sauna. I'm curious, you've, you've got a, an amazing company in Thermosol, which is in, in Round Rock, Texas. Did you, did you use, did you specify them for that? Um, no, I don't, I, the steam shower, I think was some sort of hybrid of, um, I think it was Kohler, like one of the ones that, ah, um, okay. that, you know, you can do it to your phone. It was like a high, really high technology, like the whole space has, um, you can do the light level, you know, to illuminate your house before you get home and all of that through the app. Um, so it's like all integrated. Yeah, it's all integrated. Isn't that and amazing? then the dry sauna, I don't remember what brand the dry sauna was actually. Well, I just um, think it's cool because you have a, you have a, a a company like that, you know, emanating yeah, from the, the Lone Star State, you which have is everything really cool. in Texas. You it's do. Crazy. <laughs> you do. Um last project I I wanted to to throw at you was the um it's the, your Lakewood Mid-Century Modern. And it's funny because as, as I go through projects, you know, I kind of look for things that are beyond the design itself. I, I love this. I love this whole project. And I, and I also love it too, when designers will find ways to incorporate local history and local um, 
points of interest, be it through product or through the art or through, you know, other, other manners of, you know, planting Easter eggs throughout a, you know, throughout a, a design. I think it's great. But this particular project too, I think, I think it would shock many to know that there are some really significant mid-century, uh, there's some remarkable mid-century architecture dappled all throughout Texas, um, which I think would probably surprise a lot of people because they would figure that, well, it's, it's Texas, so it's just got to be, you know, it'll be a 50s ranch or it'll be a 60s ranch or it'll be a 70s ranch or an 80s ranch. But, you know, the fact is there was some amazing architect architecture that, that has come out of, out of Dallas for decades. So this particular project, I think, is really cool. Um, did you have to change your mindset at all because you were working with a mid-century modern and did you try to stay, stay true to the architecture or did you, did you drift a little bit? No, I think that we, I mean, I think sometimes we, it's depending on the client, but um, we typically don't like to steer too far away from the actual architecture of the home. Um, you know, unless the client is diehard, like, you know, sometimes they buy a house. It's like French, um, and they want the inside to be totally modern. So it, it just depends. But I think for this one, we, we stuck with, um, the overall design itself and just made it cohesive. Um, you know, I think one um, of the things about this project is it kind of showcases like the, how, you know, we really do design for our clients. We don't just Absolutely. design. And it, and even to your point about things being local, um, it's not it's not even that we try to incorporate things that are local. We just try to incorporate things that represent our clients. And so if you look over the um, the range of our portfolio, it's so every project is so different. It all has that pulp thread through it. Like, you know, it definitely, we definitely have a, a vibe. Um, but it's like sort of like the soul of our company, but like, it, but through the, lens of our clients. So, you know, with the, with that project, I think it being mid-century, it was sort of like, you know, natural for us to incorporate our aesthetic in, in, in through the mid-century lens. Um, but, you know, I think it just, it, it totally just depends on what we're working with and who the clients are. And sometimes that's the most fun thing to uncover is like, what's the style of your home? What's the two homeowner style? How do exactly. we blend all sometimes three we're like those the... things together? the marital, uh, council counselor for <laughs> our clients because they have totally different taste. Yeah. So, but those know, are the most fun styles to, to meshing it together because... is very rewarding at the end for sure. And making them yeah. happy. But we do get that a lot. You know, they, they look at their portfolio and they say, it's amazing how different it is, how you could truly see how we design for our client because we have a wide array of different styles. There are a lot of clients that hire us and say, you know, I go to some designers' websites and you could tell it's that design firm because they do the same design every single time. Which is, which is also totally unique, fine. Which is totally yeah. fine. It's just surprising to me that they're usually impressed by the fact that we can have a variety of design designs. But, they, but the, I think the compliment that we always get the most is that even though it's so different, we could still tell it's a pulp project. Exactly. Okay. So I think to us, that's important. So it's interesting because... Anyone who's who's been listening to the podcast for a while, let me apologize now because I'm going to say something that you've already heard me say like a hundred times. <laughs> I think that one of the things that's really interesting um, when I started the podcast, I, I'm I'm an enthusiast. You know, I'm not a designer and I'm not an architect. I'm just a fan. 
and I love talking about the work. And when I started the podcast, I would ask a question. Um, I would ask, you know, you know, what's your style? What's your signature style? Which I've learned over time isn't a stupid question. It's just a pedestrian question. It's, it's very, very basic. If, if we're in school, that's like a fourth grade, fourth grade question, right? And what I've learned over time is that the best creatives, the most amazing work that comes out of a, a, a firm, you don't, you, it's not your style that you're married to, but you will have a fingerprint. You will have certain through lines that are unique to you, the firm, your work. And I think what clients see is, you know, I, I would imagine if you, if you had a, a, a French Renaissance chateau or a, <laughs> or a Spanish revival and the client said that they wanted a modern, a mid-century modern feel, you could still do that. And it would be remarkable and maybe somebody coming in wouldn't know that as a pulp studio design, but they would know that there were certain fingerprints that you left on that work. It's like, oh yeah, I can see that. You know, it makes sense to me. And I think that yeah. that makes sense. And that's that's the sign of, of a firm that's doing some really good work. And, you know, you mentioned some that do the same thing over and over and over again. I, I don't know, there will always be a market for that. Mm -hmm but it, it's, it wouldn't necessarily qualify under the unique and extraordinary banner. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that we enjoy most about our job is really like digging deep into who our clients are. Like, I mean, we have this whole process in the, that we call our splendid living approach where we um, have our clients fill out these really detailed, somewhat funky questionnaires that are like, why are you asking <laughs> yeah. me this? But I mean, it helps us try to understand who they, who they are and and things that they like beyond what they can articulate from a stylistic uh, standpoint in the home. I mean, there's other questions that you can ask people about their life and about how they entertain, about where they like to travel um, that can really inform the design and give them something that they never even knew that they needed in their space. And so for us, that's, I think that's really important. And I, you know, I always try to tell everyone like, well, new clients, I think one, that one of our design superpowers is intuition. You know, I, we've never had a client not like what we did for them because we spend so much time with them in our heads. It's like, you know, I know we might only see the, I, might, I know we might only see you guys like only, every so often for presentations and yada, yada, but you're really like, you're, I'm, you're on my mind all the time. <laughs> you know, it's kind and of And we're disturbing. always talking about you. <laughs> That is so great. Listen, I, I have thoroughly and absolutely enjoyed our time together. This was really great. Carolina, Beth, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank, thank you, you for so having us. It was fun to get to know you and, yeah. and get to share a little bit. Thank you. Thank you, Carolina. Thank you, Beth. I love this. Thank you, Walker Zanger and Thermosol for your support. And thank you for subscribing and downloading the show. Please subscribe to the show so you catch every episode of Lone Star House of Design and Convo by Design. Ask your smart speaker to play Convo by Design. You can also follow along convobydesign.com and at Convo by Design with an X on Instagram. For show inquiries, sponsorship, and guest inquiries, uh, email me, convobydesign at outlook.com. Be well, and until next week, keep creating. Keep creating.